Thank you, Molly. Appreciate Molly filling in and, and getting involved in uh, our music ministry here. Really appreciate it. Um, we have a special at this time. The Christian sins. I try to call people ahead of time and remind them, but I forgot. But they were ready. I'm going to pass this around for those who would sign up for Ground Zero. We're going to play these, uh, they're called Boom Whackers. And we're going to play, uh, it's number 556, if you want to follow along in your hymn notes, when the roll is called up yonder, is the name of the song. And we're going to go ahead and play it through till we get it right, so it might take a few times. We may be your entertainment for the morning, so, you never know. But, but we'll get it played through. You want to go up on the stage so they can see us? No. I get the yellow note. We we gave John one note to play.
That was awesome. Thank you. All right. Hopefully that woke everybody up. Y'all awake? Okay. Oh, again, it's good to have JL and Doug Robitaille here with us. And, and I hope that you're, you'll, you will consider all that they've said this morning in Sunday school class as well as now. Keep them in your prayers and uh, listen up. I'm sure we'll be blessed by them. Doug? Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you. Um, we shared in Sunday school. And um, Jail's going to give a quick synopsis of uh, some of the things that we shared in Sunday school, and then we'll get on with the, the word. So go ahead, Jail. Yeah, if you guys are hearing this all in, in a second time, I'll try to change things up and see if you can catch the difference. Um, my dad's from, from Arnold. His dad, as Joe McClure, had the sale barn here in town. Um, and my grandma was Bernice Best from Callaway. Um, Roger Best is my dad's first cousin, and they were best friends growing up. And let's see, I went to Tallene School with Heather over there, <laughs> and Joe Cool and I rode the school bus together into Arnold. And um, Keith and Jody Carlson taught the youth group, and me and my sisters fought over who would get to hold Jordan in during youth group. <laughs> Um, there's, well, I have a, oh, um, Jerry Peterson would go up, um, to New Hope, right? New Hope. And I'd hang out and would play, um, while, while our parents were visiting, hide and go seek in the dark with his three kids and the rest of New Hope and Tallene when we'd do inspirations together. So, um, Connells would go up to Hall Church and, um, I remember being in a Sunday school with the, um, I think both sides of the Connells, and um, I lost my, my Avon necklace out in the pasture. So there are so many connections that we have here in Arnold, and it's, it's um, exciting. We've been over in Indonesia almost 22 years, and we have three daughters. Avery has her 25th birthday today, so that ages us. I was only 13 when I had her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and then um, Jensen is 21, and she's a, um, Avery graduated from Biola University two years ago, and Jensen's 21 and a graphic design major. She'll graduate from Biola University in May. And then she's rooming with Mia. Um, Mia's 18, and we're not sure what major she is this week, so it could have changed, so... She's finding her way right now in um, America and a um, little bit in culture shock, too. A lot of differences. Both Jensen and Mia were born over in Indonesia, so they're, they're kids that need to have rice at least once or twice a day for their meal. So they have a rice cooker there in their dorm, and um, they're adjusting. There's some little differences that... Um, like um, making sure that I had to warn them. I'm like, no climbing trees, please. Um, wear, wear your shoes. Don't shuffle your feet. Pick up your feet when you walk. And um, a lot of cultural differences that they don't think about over in Indonesia that, that is different here in America. And, of course, California is a lot different, <laughs> too. So um, I've been running the guest house there for 
about 21 years and hopefully we'll be um, gradually transitioning out. I actually will, if you get my newsletter, um, I was supposed to be transitioning out of it and um, fam family emergency came up and so we will actually be, be returning to the mission home guest house ministry when we return. So I'm excited, actually excited about that because I really do enjoy it. And um, I will be returning also to teaching Sunday school. Um, as you know, I, the there's no high schools in the jungles, and so the high schools are in the city. So every, all the tribal people send out their their high school kids to do high school. And the ones that attend our little tribal church, I take them and train the girls how to teach Sunday school. So that when they return after graduation to their villages, they can do Sunday school in their own village. And uh, we keep the materials and the crayons and all that stuff supplied to them so that they can continue to have a ministry with the little children and in their own um, tribal tongue in, in whichever language group they come from. So that's just been really um, exciting to have these um, ladies now. So I've been doing it since um, I think Mia was one. So about 18, 18 years now. And um, um, it's, it's really exciting to keep hearing um, stories from them of, of the, how the Lord is, you know, um, bringing people into his family through that ministry. And um, just a little tidbit, we do live in an all-Muslim neighborhood. So the, we hear the call to prayer um, five times a day. And it, it's, it's so loud that we a lot of times have to stop our conversation, just be like, hold on a second, I, I can't even hear you right now. So there's about seven mosques that we can hear um, in, our, in our neighborhood, actually. But um, one thing that I don't want to happen is there's a, a vacant lot next to the mission home, and I would, I'm dreading that somebody's going to come in and bur um, build a bird nest house. So they build these really tall buildings that kind of look like silos almost with just tiny little windows for the birds to come in and nest. But the, the worst is um, they have a loudspeaker that comes out of it and it's just a garbled noise of like not even birds chirping. It's not even a pretty noise. It's just like birds squawking constantly. And so they just play it really loud and it draws the, the attraction of all these type of birds that come in and um, they build their nests there. And do you know why, what's so important about it? Their spit. The birds build these nests with their spit, and then um, the people harvest these nests and make drinks out of it. So it would be, I, we would enjoy you guys to come visit us in Indonesia. We have 13 guest rooms, and we will make sure you try the bird nest spit drink. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. Um. Unfortunately, we didn't bring any of that bird nest spit drink. Otherwise, we'd try it for the people that sit in the back of the church. We let people try it. If you sit in the front rows, you're safe. <laughs> Thank you, Jail. Uh, that's um, a, a quick picture of what we're doing in Indonesia. And um, we've, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I, when I was a small child, I, I didn't have a dream to be, do missionary work my whole life. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, I guess. I actually wanted to be a police officer, uh, as I was telling the cools. And, um, but then I kind of got into basically the track of, if I want to do missionary work. And um, over the course of about nine months of thinking about it, praying about it, talking with our pastor, and then going on a, on a trip, like a short-term missionary trip, um, kind of as a, con as a byproduct of all of that, 
um, I decided that God, um, that I would just like, if God can use me overseas, then praise the Lord. So that's what happened in 1993. I made that decision. And then 1994, we got married. 95, so we're going back a long time here for some of you younger guys, of course, weren't even around. But um, 95 um, was my first time to visit here, actually. We actually, 94, we got married. 95, we were on our way to Bible college for me. Jail had already been through Bible college. And that was the first time I got to come to Nebraska, actually. My first time to visit um, Uncle Eddie and Aunt Jenny Steele, who uh, all of you know that they've moved to San Diego to be closer to one of their kids, which is Ben, and actually uh, Jay as well. Uh, but um, staying on the ranch uh, there with the Steels and getting to know the, uh, the Purcell family and, and many of you guys as well who've been around since then, it was um, really neat uh, as we're on our way to go to Bible College in Wisconsin. And then after studying God's Word uh, and training for basically three and a half years, uh, we left for Indonesia in January 2000, you guys all remember Y2K, we're like expecting the world to fall, fall apart, and it seems like it is falling apart now, <laughs> like 21 years later, but um, it didn't fall apart on January 1st, 2000, but that's when we left to go to Indonesia, is uh, in January of 2000, and so we've been there almost 22 years. So it's been a pleasure and a blessing to serve God. And if I had it to do all over, I wouldn't change anything. So that's kind of a positive thing, right? No regrets. <laughs> um, and uh, we're, we're here right now in the States for four months to get Mia set up, our youngest daughter set up in college. So um, we got back about six weeks ago and we, are, we got her set up. And as Jail said, she's living with her older sister. And um, so now we're on this track around... Uh, the United States, partly because we don't own a house, and so we're just kind of vagabonds, and so we're kind of freeloading on people. That's what missionaries are allowed to do, I think. <laughs> At least the people are putting up with us. But um, we're also, of course, visiting family and friends, and in, a, in about, um, I think on, what is it, Wednesday, we leave here and we'll be headed to Missouri, where we will be involved in recruiting um, missionary candidates who are in school to come and work in Indonesia. And so we, there's a vetting process that we go through, and um, we kind of want uh, want to make sure that people know what they're signing up for. Um, it's kind of a bummer if you get there and you decide this isn't what I, this isn't the place I want to, I, I want to live the rest of my life. This isn't where, like I don't want to listen to those bird, those buildings with the bird sounds and uh, be forced to speak um, uh, another language and live in another culture. So we actually have had some of those casualties, but uh, fortunately very few. So, so that's kind of what we have to look forward to, and we, we're going back to Indonesia in January, uh, in December, um, early December, so just in a couple of months here, three months. Um, one of the things, one of the, one of the themes that we always want to communicate is that the, you know, God is using the body of Christ in amazing ways. 
Um, that's how he reaches the world is through believers like us. Simple people, just average people who have a desire to serve him. Um, we have some extraordinary missionaries on the field and we have some extraordinary candidates that come through. And um, I would say that the majority of the extraordinary that come through oftentimes don't make it very long. You know, the, but the ones that actually stay are kind of the average, uh, the average guys, um, ladies and um, the, the men and women that are more of the average uh, missionaries. And they're, they're the ones that are really making a difference. So we, we want we, the body of Christ is, made, is so unique and made up of so many different uh, pieces of the puzzle. And we're all part of that. And um, so we want to thank you guys for being part of our lives for the last 22 years, um, probably longer with Bible college included. But um, uh, it, it truly is a blessing to serve God as part of the body and our coworkers there. I, I was just on the phone with my coworker. His name is Kevin, Kevin Miles, and uh, he's an MK from Indonesia. We actually have a, a lot of MK. So MK means missionary kid, kind of like JL as a missionary kid from Paraguay. And so Kevin Miles, he's, um, he grew up there, and he and I are the co-directors of the field. So we're like the co, we use this word terminology, chairman. We're the co-chairman of, of the field of Indonesia. And we do everything. It's kind of weird to say co, because uh, what does that mean? Well, we have plurality of leadership, kind of like what we in the churches that we plant, we always, we believe that really one pastor can't do it all. Sorry, Lee, and I know you agree to this, but uh, we need a team of people, elders and deacons to be able to lead. And we, we've got to, we each have a part, each of us sitting in this room have a part in the ministry that God has for this church and for this community and this whole county and the, and the state and the world, of course. So... Um, so it, it, it's a beautiful thing to work in plurality. And my friend Kevin Miles, he's, um, you know, uh, we were talking about ministry stuff. And, of course, the core of ministry that, that New Tribes Mission, or now called Ethnos 360, does is Bible translation, church planting, and um, helping remote people groups to be able to read the Bible in their own language. And um, well, he's sitting in Jakarta, that's just the capital city, and um, we're talking about the, you know, the changes in the government in Indonesia and how that's affecting the ministry and how it's affecting believers. And we're talking about COVID and how COVID is, uh, you know, the, the laws that are being enforced because of COVID. And by the way, I'm probably one of the safest people around here because I've already had COVID. So I've got like the natural antibodies and the natural uh, way to recover from it. And I, I assume that a lot of you guys have too. But, um, uh, but what we're seeing, but in our conversations with Kevin, my conversation with Kevin this morning, um, just seeing what God is doing in spite of how complicated and messed up this world is. Uh, this morning, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about the topic of identity. Um, something interesting about identity, um, I think we're all aware, uh, like everybody in America can get an identity card if you want to, you know, if, as long as you're like 16 or I don't know, every state's different. But like, you know, like 
most people have a driver's license and it's easy to get, even though it might be said that it's hard to get. No, it's actually very easy to get our identity cards. In Indonesia, it's the same. It's fairly easy to get your identity card if you ch you've chosen a religion. So you have to choose a religion. If you haven't chosen a religion, then you're considered not even a citizen of the country. So when you go to get your identity card, you have to claim if you're a Christian or Catholic or Muslim or Hindu or uh, Confucianism, uh, not Confucianism, but Confucianism, an ancient Chinese religion, or Islam, and I don't remember if I got them all, but six major religions. So the topic of identity, we totally understand it. Um, there is something called mistaken identity. There's something called like identity theft. You know, those are all things that we're familiar with in today's digital age. Um, and of course, spiritually, we are well aware that we as believers have a new identity in Christ. Um, this morning in the Sunday school class, I shared a, a video from the Moy work in Indonesia. And um, a testimony, part of the testimony was the, the guy in the movie, you can Google this, by the way, it's, it's like on YouTube. But the identity of the Moy person, that's the people group, you know, his the, the level of the life of fear that he lived in as an unbeliever. And then he heard the gospel through the chronological teaching method. He heard the gospel from our missionaries and he trusted in Christ. And he all of a sudden realized that, and of course it was taught, that he has a new identity, a new identity in Christ. The Apostle Paul in the Bible, basically in every single one of his letters that he writes, so Paul writing, you know, the epistles, so getting past the Gospels, past the, um, the book of Acts into Romans and Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and maybe we're not sure about Hebrews, uh, if he's actually the author, but every single one of the letters the Apostle Paul wrote, he talked about identity. As a matter of fact, he committed like the first several verses, if not almost the whole first chapter, to our, to our or to the believers that he was writing to, reminding them of their identity in Christ. Um, this is something that's, uh, that we cannot let go of. We have to be constantly reminded of our identity uh, as in our family, identity, of course, nowadays in today's ugly world, it's like sexual identity. It's like, well, are you a male or female? And it's like, you know, the, some of the dumbest things. As a matter of fact, in Indonesia, they're, they're way smarter than the average American, I'd have to say. They, they say, you know what? We don't have that problem here. We, we know what our kids are when they're born, and they, never, they don't really lose, they don't really get mixed up along the way. And it really is true. Um, so this identity that, that we have in Christ is amazing. So I wanted to, if we can turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. I wanted to share a few verses with you. And um, I promise I'm not going to keep you over time or extra long. Because um, Lee said I have, 40, I, have an, I have an hour and 10 minutes. So um, I'm going to use every bit of that. No, I, I'll, I'll make sure and get, it, get us in under 30. So Ephesians chapter 1. 
um, where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. And um, as I'm talking, uh, keep in mind that for the last 20 years, I've been doing like speaking and teaching in a different language in Indonesian. And so some of the terminology we use, the words, of course, are the same, but they're pronounced differently. And uh, sometimes the words actually look quite different because we don't have all the same letters in the Indonesian alphabet. So uh, it's, it, that's the reason, uh, if something sounds a little weird. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 1, we see, <clears throat> let me just read the first uh, six verses here. So I'm reading out of the New American Standard Version. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, states, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Christ Jesus to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of his glory, of his grace, which is freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Uh, And so I'll stop there. Um, These verses are often used uh, to talk about the topic of like um, covenant theology or Calvinism. I'm not going to talk about that today. Uh, My position, my personal position is that man has free will and free will to choose to trust in Christ or not. And God knew who was going to choose before the foundation of the world. And, uh, but he gives everybody the free will. And maybe I'll just touch on that. (laughs) I said I wasn't going to do it, but um, something that is a prayer request for our family, besides the ministry in Indonesia, besides the safety of living in a Muslim country, besides the success of the tribal works that are happening across Indonesia, um, just talking about our own kids. You know, uh, we're at that stage of life where our kid, where we're, we just became empty nesters, right? We're on this two-month trip across the States with no kids in the back seat. It feels kind of weird. And so our kids are navigating the world without us. And we believe, we don't really have any regrets on how we raised them. We believe we did what we needed to do and taught them the word. And, and, um, but we're seeing that our oldest is totally not walking with God. And that's a prayer request. Um, she's, her name is Avery. Um, she's living in Bali, Indonesia. So she's actually living in Indonesia. Um, and she's um, uh, basically not walking with God. And so if you guys could be in prayer with us, we spent th- about three years kind of fighting it and telling her how wrong she is. And now we can't do that anymore. Uh, we're basically having to just uh, maintain our relationship as, you know, father, our parents and, and child and try to be a place for her when she comes back to the Lord. Um, so some of the identity topics involved in that are really interesting. You know, as a believer, we are saved until Christ's return. Um, I believe that me, uh, that Avery put her trust in Christ when she was a young child. 
And she lived a life consistent with that until she was like 19 years old. Only God knows if she was just faking it or if she really was trusting in Christ at that age. Uh, our Indonesian believers, you know, they are, um, they're, they're from the third world. They feel like they don't have much to offer. But guess what? They do. They have the gospel and they're doing outreach reaching out to the places that only they have access to. So those villages and those tribal groups in their community that they can, they already speak the language, they understand the culture, they can live simply. And they're actually, if you're going to sing any praises, it's not to uh, the, the, the Ethnos 360 missionaries, it's actually to that first and second generation of believers that have really crossed cultural boundaries and reached out in the same way that the gospel came here um, in that same desire as a, carrying that identity as a son of God or as a child of God and wanting other people to hear the gospel. And that's what these uh, Indonesian believers are doing. And so we're coming alongside them to help them uh, besides opening up new works and helping with Bible translation, some of the technical side of things, helping them to train them to reach, reach out cross-culturally. So um, one thing that's really interesting in today's day and age, you know, uh, like the racial division is off the charts. That's from my perspective, coming from Indonesia, you know, and not really watching all the media but um, seeing some things and like, holy cow, what has happened? Um, honestly, it's a byproduct of the flesh. It's a byproduct of like um, people being self-absorbed in their own self. And um, Indonesians actually have the same tendency. They actually do some of those things too. We talk about things like being ethnocentric, like thinking that our culture that we grew up in is, is way better than everybody else's. Um, even in California where I'm from, I grew up like 25 miles away from the ocean. Well, the guy that lives 27 miles away, so like two miles further away, they're considered like rednecks. And us guys that live 25 miles are like the cool people. And the, and of course the guys that live 10 miles away think I'm a redneck. So you get it, you get into this thing of like, I'm better than those guys over there. It's just part of the flesh. It's part of the old uh, man that the Apostle Paul talks about, that our identity as unsaved people kind of just, you know, we've functioned in that, our, that identity, that we're better than everybody else, and what's most important is me, and not realizing the importance of the gospel to change all of that. Um, <clears throat> something, you know, going back to the book of uh, Genesis, uh, Adam and Eve, you know, and the sin entered the world and separation as a consequence of sin. They were kicked out of the garden. But before they were kicked out of the garden, the first promise of the coming Redeemer was set, you know, uh, was, was promised, was prophesied in Genesis 3.15. And uh, the beauty of the... You know, we come to God because we're, we're his children. We come to God according to the way he sets forth. And we know that, like, remember um, uh, the children of Adam and Eve? 
um, uh, including in Adam and Eve, they had to bring a sacrifice that was acceptable to God. They couldn't just do it their own way. They had to bring a blood sacrifice. Remember the story? Uh, and if they didn't bring a blood sacrifice, uh, that would be considered unacceptable. Um, and so you remember the story of Cain and Abel and how Cain brought his, he came to God his own way. He said, I'm going to approach God my own way, and he did it his own way, and it was not acceptable. And it, that's exactly how our Indonesian believers, you know, they see, they hear those stories, and they have a, um, uh, a their testimony and their level of understanding is so high because they understand that old life of trying to appease God or the spirits. So basically trying to appease something that shouldn't even be tried, tried to appease. Uh, but now talking about a relationship with God and coming to God in, in the way that God desires. And of course, we know that's through his, the finished work of Christ on the cross and trusting in God uh, as our Savior, and as the Redeemer for man's sin. So those believers have something that um, in their simplicity of life, in their simplicity of understanding of their identity in Christ, they're actually very rich. And some of the problems that we have in North America, they actually say, yeah, we've heard about those things, but... Like, like, for example, how our taxes pay for abortions or, you know, how our taxes are paying for, you know, sex changes or whatever. It's like they shake their head and they're like, wow, we don't have that problem here, like I said before. And, and then they say, that's a first world problem. We're third world people. We don't have those problems. But that's the beauty of being simple. And going back to our identity in Christ and not getting stuck in the identity of the world. The Apostle Paul, in almost every one of his books, he also talks about the old man and the new man, right? The old man was a slave of sin, and the new man is a slave to the Lord, to, to Christ. And, 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 we, and another way to say it would be the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, um, and, and so we, we see that um, it's, pretty, you know, it's pretty easy to point out when people are either unsaved or else maybe they're saved and they're walking in sin. And um, uh, this, uh, again, getting into the identity, we are called to walk in the Spirit and have those um, uh, be pleasing to God in, um, in heaven. So... Verse number seven, I'm just going to jump there, and then we're going to quit. Um, Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and on earth, uh, and things upon the earth and in him. Also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purposes, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were f the first to hope in Christ should, should be to the praise of his glory. 
So going back to um, our identity in Christ, praise God for the simple preaching of the gospel that we've been able to understand and put our trust in. Praise God for the simple people that brought the gospel to us. And for us as simple people who are bringing the gospel to other people. And I say us in Indonesian, the word us, there's actually two different words for the word. If you translate it, there's, there's two different words. One, one word for us means us inclusively, all of us. And then another word for us is like exclusive, which would be just like Jail and I. Not talking about you guys. So we have the bird, we or us, inclusively, we've got this ministry of reconciliation that we need to communicate to other people. Not just to our kids, not just to the neighbors and the kids at school. We've got to get this message communicated um, all across Nebraska, all across the United States. And um, honestly, America looks almost as needy as Indonesia, uh, looking at where we're at in today's world. And it depends on us inclusively to communicate God's word. It's not, gonna, it's not enough for Lee to do it. <laughs> it's not enough for Doug and Jail. It's not enough for the Cools. It's not enough for just a, a smattering of families. Each of us inclusively have a huge part in communicating the gospel. So hopefully that's a challenge for you. For you younger guys that are thinking about what to do with your life, ministry is um, fun and it's exciting, but it could be the worst thing in the world if, if, you're not, uh, if you're not called to do it. And what does it mean to be called? You know, did God call us up on the phone to do ministry? I never got a phone call from God. I don't know if Lee did or not, but going into full-time ministry, I never got a phone call from God. Um, and that's a hard thing to like, okay, what is a calling? But what I know a calling is, is when somebody's doing ministry and if they're complaining all the way, they must not be called to ministry because they wouldn't be complaining about what God had called them to do. Um, regardless of the, how hard it is. Look at the Apostle Paul. Half of those letters he wrote were from the prison cell. Uh, he endured hardship, much much harder hardship than I've ever dealt with. Even though we have, I don't know how many dead bodies I've transported in my in our own car. You know, I don't know how many we've had. One person die in our house, a coworker. We've we had to. I mean, we've got all kinds of stories of like bizarre things that would maybe take people out of the ministry. But um, it's like. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's what we're kind of called to do. And when you realize that we're in this, in this walk as being a believer and being called by God, living right in Nebraska to reach the people right here in this community, hardship, uh, we look at it, how is God going to use us to glorify himself? And usually... He, almost every time I, I can see, some, sometimes the, the verdict is not out yet, but almost every context that I've seen, major hardship, um, God uses it for his glory, and more people get saved, and more people um, are trusting in Christ as a result. Thank you guys for supporting us all these years in prayer, and financially as well.
Um, we love you guys, and we count on a privilege to be kind of your extended arm in Indonesia. So thanks for the time. Thank you, Doug. I love the, what you said there at the end. You know, we're soldiers. Um, and, you know, I was just thinking as you were talking about how we just fix our eyes on Jesus Christ and one step at a time or battle at a time or blessing at a time. And even even the good times in ministry, whether you're um, in, engaged in full-time, uh, employed basically in ministry or you're uh, bivocational or lay person in ministry, it can, even in the blessings, the days that are a blessing, it can uh, be uh, or cause you to expel a lot of energy. <laughs> and it can wear you down. And so just challenge you to know who you are and who are you, your identity. And Doug was talking about that, right? Um, who I am is I'm a... I'm adopted into his family. I stand upon Christ. I am a, I'm a soldier. I'm a minister. I am a servant. A minister-servant, same thing, right, pretty much. Um, there's a lot of other words. I'm a runner, running the race, right, keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus, but know whose you are as well. You belong to Christ, right? Part of your position is in Christ, right? But if we're in Christ, then we're called, all of us, to be engaged in some form of ministry. We're not called to sit on our fannies, okay? We're called to be engaged in a relationship with Jesus Christ first and foremost. And like Doug said, if, if you're involved in something, something that, you know, you may not feel that, that call of the Lord, but you might be miserable if you're not doing something. You might be miserable if you are doing something, but if you keep your eyes on Jesus, he'll lead you to do what he's wanting you to do. And um, there's a difference between being miserable, being in a ministry because you're not supposed to be there, and being a person in ministry where you're supposed to be, and it's not easy. Right? I think there's a difference. <laughs> so pray for Doug and Jill. And uh, I hope that you're uh, staying updated on all the things that are going on with them as they let us know what's going on. That you'll pray for Avery. That you'll pray for uh, the other girls in, in, at Biola. And uh, that you will continue to not only lift them up in prayers, but... Uh, lift all of missionaries that we support up in prayer. Okay? Let's pray for them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the robotize, and we ask, Lord, that you would strengthen and guide and direct them. Lord, help them to know um, what it is you want them to do, not just in ministry. I guess it's still ministry to their children, Lord, to know what to do to encourage them, to help them to continue to grow or come back to you, Lord, to, to walk in a relationship, in a close, intimate relationship with you, Lord Jesus. Help them know to know how to encourage and strengthen those around them in ministry and to strengthen and encourage those who are laypersons, uh, believers uh, there in Indonesia who are reaching out into their, their own communities 
And Lord, just give them wisdom in, in all the decisions that they're going to have to make in the upcoming months and the years ahead. Um, we ask your blessing upon them, your provision for them, not only financially, but spiritually, that you would bless them and strengthen them. And that their time here in the States will be a time of refreshing. Um, we ask, Lord, that you would guide and direct us as a church, that we would know our position in you. And, Lord, know what it is you call us to do. Uh, know what it is that you want us to do and to obey your commands, Lord, um, because we love you, Lord. Help us to do those things out of love and out of an intimate relationship with you through your strength and your power. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would, uh, as we take up our offering for the church today, that you would bless those who give, and, um, Lord, that you'd use it for the furtherance of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. So if we'd have some